0: This is the base, the basements. That's our new, Welcome the to the basements. basements. We have the new podcast. That's uh, just all about having oh, a deep voice.
1: Know. Yeah, it's all about uh, kinky sex in your basement. Um, and uh, when Margie. we talk about
0: kinky things, we go down to this kind of <laughs> voice.
1: What is this thing? What's, What's happening? That? What have I
0: clicked on? Is this the right podcast? I don't know where I'm at. Back,
1: back, back.
0: And uh, anybody who is. First episode, just tuning in, was like, whoa. Wow. I'm in I the wrong know. place. How does this podcast have 4.8 stars? Two Minnesota
1: women were talking about um, yeah. having sex in the basement. I, t- I tie Joey up every Tuesday. I get out my leather. My my strap Only every on every
0: Tuesday. I just make uh, Frankie stays I, down there twenty four seven. He's no, in he's I, in his. He's I gotta let him little, up. I
1: gotta he's gotta he's gotta work for the family. Frankie's, be? In a,
0: Frankie's in his crib and he doesn't leave. And he
1: doesn't leave. Well, well, that's what I have Marvin for. I keep him down in the cage. You know that.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to your queer story. We are the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism.
1: And I am Evan Jones.
0: And I am Paul Haas. You didn't
1: introduce yourself last time. They don't time. need
0: me to know. They, they already do know. We need to
1: know, Paul. We need to tell people if we want to continue building our podcast. It's in it's the title. The, it's in the title. Whatever. What if we died? Then they would never know that somebody else had taken over the podcast. That's true. So. I
0: think they would know. I hope that you are a deep enough listener and you love us so much that if one of our voices was different, you would know. And you would call <laughs> the police immediately because then something's really going right. wrong. If,
1: if you consistently hear that someone else has taken over our podcast without a reason why, then call the police because we have been kidnapped.
0: Oh, my God. So speaking of this, okay. um, I have a friend who was a co-worker that... Um, my current company Mm -hmm. and she quit but I stay in contact with her like we just not like deep conversations but we send each other funny pictures and stuff on Instagram yeah and she didn't respond for a day and a half she didn't post a story for Uh. a day and a half she didn't post the status like she hadn't been on Facebook and this girl like lives on social media yeah and I was like okay what's going on so then I asked like my friends at work, I'm like, Hey, has anybody heard from this person? They're like, No, she just must be really busy. Mm. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> so then I call her on my way home and it goes straight to voicemail. oh And I like I instantly was like, Nope, I almost turned the car around, and drove straight to where she lives. I'm like I left her voicemail. I'm like, if you don't respond in three hours, I'm calling the police and filing a missing persons report. I messaged her on all her social media, <laughs> like, answer me right now.
1: And then Crazy she finally
0: stalker. Go ahead. And then she finally got back to me. She's like, Sorry, I've been I've been in bed with the flu. I have haven't even like done anything and i was like okay thank you i thought you were finally in that acid- i thought you were finally in that acid barrel on the side of the road thank you for letting me know you're alive still
1: <laughs> he's halfway through filling out the police report and he's like ah okay well it seems like she just has the flu and officer <laughs> like sir i don't i don't like this
0: if listen if i am in contact with you and you just disappear off the face of the earth i had a friend from london who was staying with this guy in canada who i have never met uh-huh. and She didn't respond for a day and a half, and I was like, I'm about to call the Canadian police. You need to answer me right now. A
1: day and a half. They're grown-ass adults. A lot can happen
0: in a day and a half. If you respond to me every day within, like, 30 minutes, and then suddenly you go a day and a half without Eh. anything... I'm sorry, I'm looking out for you. If you did that, I'd be, like, knocking on your door. I'd be like, Samantha, what did you do to, with Evan's body? Have you been what friends is,
1: with Katie? Katie, uh, K- our but friend see, the, Katie? The difference <laughs> is
0: Katie doesn't... I don't stay in constant contact with her. Oh, like, with God. you, I talk to you every day. Yeah. You, with these people, I talk to them every day. So, suddenly, when they just disappear off the face of the earth, uh, you better believe I'm going freak out. I listen to True Crime all eight hours yeah, a day. Yeah, I know. Well, so but that's the, step one. But they that's just why, they didn't
1: respond. That's why... Okay, so, like... I am not a person, like, I'm like, people respond when they respond. So hopefully you never disappear because it'll be like a week. And I'm like, huh, Paul hasn't reached out to me about the podcast. This is weird. We actually talk pretty frequently. So, but like, Katie is one of those people that won't respond to a text. And then you'll text her later and be like, Katie. And then, and then finally she'll respond. And so it gives, it makes Samantha so anxious. Especially when we were living with Katie, she'd be like, well, do you know where she's at? Who's she staying with? Do we have any information? And I'm like, it's been three I hours she's a grown ass fucking
0: adult I basically live in a constant state of anxiety where okay. somebody's gonna get kidnapped or something or murdered <laughs> right so if somebody there. doesn't respond to me I'm like what's going on <laughs> That's it's, it. been, it's been you 15 minutes
1: so if you're a psychopath out there, good luck trying to kidnap one of Paul's friends. Oh yeah, that's
0: you're going to get caught real quick.
1: He's going to be all over your ass, hacking social media <laughs> accounts and everything.
0: I will. Try. I'll be like logging into their account. Like, all <laughs> right, tracking. who is the last person they messaged? I put
1: trackers on all my friends' phones, just in case.
0: <laughs> There's a little GPS tracker at the bottom of all their cars, just in case. You never know.
1: <laughs> just got to keep an eye on them. You're going to be really fun as a parent, I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> They're just going to be microchipped. <laughs>
1: they are. You absolutely know they are. That's fine. A little...
0: Like a little, one of those little squares or whatever they are, the, when, if you lost your keys or whatever, yeah, exactly. and every, and like their backpack Everywhere and all they sewn into their pockets.
1: Honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't mind the microchip thing if I wasn't, uh, if I, if it wasn't the government, like, yeah, like there are parents that microchip their babies now. They do mm. that and I get the fear behind that but I'm like but that kid's gonna grow up and then the government's gonna be able to know where they are at all times even though they mostly can from our phones but at least I can throw my phone in the water whenever I'm fleeing the government one day Um, but microchip no see yeah that's too that's too much for me yeah,
0: uh, David actually was like, we should just be at the point where everybody's microchipped and they can monitor their health and everything. And I tried to explain and to him like government corruption. He was like, well, the government shouldn't just be that way. And I'm like, okay, okay well they, they are. are. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's they're not they're... just going to change. He's like, we <laughs> need, he's like, we need to evolve past this. And I'm like, okay, but we're not. But we're so. But governments we can't never just start, have. <laughs> we just can't <laughs> start doing that just because we should. We're be literally past talking about
1: like how Jews were registered. Exactly. Like last week and this week, we're talking about how Jews had to be registered, and like the government is never just gonna evolve past wanting to control its people that's how it makes its money that's how it keeps its power they Mm -hmm. have to be able to control you to have that so they're never going to be like you know what guys we've been wrong you don't worry, we're not going to do anything. That's <laughs> right. why they listen in on our phones. That's why I, they're constantly I, I tapping literally into when our David videos. and I were
0: having this conversation, I was like, what do you mean? It just, like, it's just not going to just, like, that's just not how it works, hon. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I agree with you that we should be evolved past that and everybody could have this microchip to monitor their own health and safety yeah. and, and all this. Like, if you could check your blood pressure from, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just this health thing. However, we're just not there.
1: But there's a lot of other ways that you can do that. Like you can use your iPhone to track a lot of your, right, your functions. Right, but I mean, if
0: you could imagine like a microchip could like monitor your iron and your blood, like your, no. prote- it could like monitor it's your- It's like Buzz is
1: using you, like you're low on iron. Yeah. You're about to have a heart attack. Sit yeah, down. exactly. I mean, it would be amazing.
0: But, but however, that's not a place where we're at morally or ethically because of the fucking Because government. you know what
1: else they'll do? They'll put in a self-destruct button uh, and then you- They you absolutely will. <laughs> and then you drop dead. Okay. Like, wow,
0: this person just died of a random heart attack at the age <laughs> of 19.
1: I wonder what happened. Wow, weird. They were really healthy. Went to the gym every day, but they had a heart attack. That's so weird. It has nothing to do with the way they were speaking out against the government on social media. Exactly. Big brother, folks. Read 1984 or just look around you. Or just pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> just pay attention. <laughs> Either one. Um so anyways, uh, by the way, <laughs> subscribe and like our podcast. Yes. Uh, uh,
0: leave a wonderful comment. The nice yes. comments really uplift us. If you have a critical yeah. comment, uh, message us first. <laughs> but <laughs> you're, also, you're, you're also... You're definitely going to do that, Paul. You're also welcome to post a critical comment I if will you think say, um, that it's warranted.
1: Yes, of course we do criticism, but I will say we've had we've had criticism in our podcast, and
0: we've always made up for it. Yeah, we've, we've always, always addressed apologized,
1: it addressed it. We want to learn, we want to grow. So if we do something that pisses you off, we only say reach out to us because we want to know what's wrong. And you know, and then if you're still like, well, you guys have no fucking intention of fixing this, then fine. I mean, we're not gonna be. A, we're, it's not like we can escape criticism, but we do truly want to learn and grow. Like in this episode, we're gonna talk about something that we said in our pink triangle episode. We um, we called um, Roma's or. Um, uh, travelers, uh, a slur. Yes, and we didn't like we were trying to refer to the the Nazi way of things uh, of the way they referred to the people, but we apologize for that. Mm-hmm. And so, like we want to grow. We you listen to our old podcasts? We have come very far, um, and so you know.
0: Oh, and my mom actually sent me something, but I'll let you know if it was okay. Um, proper or wrong yeah uh,
1: but as he's looking at that just the point is that we want we want to change we're not afraid to apologize we're not afraid to admit that we're wrong so if you reach out and you message us we're happy to you know to, to address the issue you know and if you just leave a, an angry review we, it's hard for us to like go further and say right. like, well, what was the issue right you need right, to exactly. dig deeper
0: so my mom said dr quinn medicine woman came out in 1993 and not 1970 I don't know what? where where you said 19th, this.
1: Wow! I don't
0: know where you saw. I don't know what that's referring to, but she told that me that
1: was it. no it was on one of our episodes recently where I talked about how my first qu- uh, crush was Jane Seymour and Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman, and I thought it was the 1970s. Oh,
0: 1993. But it was 1993.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I wasn't allowed to really watch TV. This was like little clips that I caught at my um, aunt's house, my aunt's house, and um, so all TV. It's like I I have no concept of – it took me a long time. Now I can decipher, like, the time periods in television. But when I left the cult, I had no concept of well, what was Well, yeah, because everything
0: you were allowed to watch was so limited that, exactly. like, everything was, looked like it was from a specific period, basically.
1: Anything that wasn't black and white – like I literally had no idea because I didn't know what the styles were because our style was all, always the same. Yep. So I didn't know what the the, um, the dress styles were. I didn't know what the music was. Any of the little clues that give you like, oh, this must have been made in the 80s. I couldn't decipher those things. That's what happens when you live under a rock.
0: That makes sense, yeah. But I
1: do appreciate the... Um, but I do appreciate the correction, and um, I really need to start looking up Doctor Quinn because <laughs> I miss how Jane Seymour looked. <laughs> um, anyways, so, uh, yeah, um, and and then um, yeah, thank you to our patrons. Yes, thank you for all of those
0: um, who have been with us since the beginning and thank you to everybody who's recently joined. Uh, we're working on building that and we're almost to another goal. Mm -hmm. Once we get there, you get yet another funny YouTube video. That's right. Of Evan and I, I've got a few ideas. Um, I run a poll as usual and then I'll pick which one I want at the end. Yeah. Um, (laughs)
1: but our Patreon gets you, um, it gets, gets you first access to a lot of our stuff. And then there's a little, um, weekly series that I do that just tops. It's just about topics and about, navigating life as a young adult and especially as a queer young adult or uh, even if you're a little older so i talk about a bunch of different things we will have an interview uh thing coming soon because i finally figured out how to record my facetimes yeah so um we do have an interview series coming soon but that'll be drop a lot less frequently um but yeah
0: And everything, every dollar you uh, give goes to the podcast or the Queer Mentorship Program and uh, helps us grow and helps us continue the podcast.
1: Exactly. So... Are we ready to get into part two? You've been waiting
0: for it. We left you on such a cliffhanger last time and we've just been talking for 12 minutes and you're like, like shut up. Fuck? I want to know about this pot. I want to hear about this love story. I want to know why she gave her that apple and what she did with that apple.
1: Oh, you know what she did with that apple. Actually, I hope she did not do anything <laughs> with that apple because that is so... I think I've said this a long time ago, but it used to be a custom back in the day where a woman would, um, she would shave an apple. And she would put it under her armpits and she would work with the apple all day under her armpits. And then when her lover came, she would have the lover eat it because it had her pheromones inside and it was supposed to be very erotic. So if you're into like sweat and stuff, maybe try it. I don't know. If that's, Paul, I, Paul is very much not. <laughs> I,
0: no, I have to have like clean, everybody has to be showered. Smelling like the, Dawn, so
1: you're not getting as many of the pheromones when you sweat. That's I already when, get enough
0: pheromones. Oh,
1: it's it's so it's it's dirty and it's no. I like wet. clean, clean. Well, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, so maybe that's what she did with it, or maybe she just like framed it, um, I don't know.
0: Or maybe she just ate it on the way home. Maybe she threw she, it in the garbage. She was like, like get a fucking apple. It <laughs> takes four hours to get anywhere because all these damn cars are so slow. I'm glad she gave me this apple. I have a little snack now.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe. We're putting a lot, uh, I never, there's no more information about the apple. So if that's what you were hanging on for, <laughs> we're gonna disappoint you. But if you wanna know more about Lily and Felicia, then we might have some information. The baby be like, oh, no apple, I'm out, thanks.
0: I thought she was gonna make a nice apple pie with it. <laughs> and
1: (laughs) Apple strudel. Okay, so we're back with part two of our episode on lily Wust and Felice Schragenheim. Felice Schragenheim. Jesus. When we last When we last left off, lily a proud Nazi and wife of a German soldier, had just met Felicia who was an undercover Jew and a resistance fighter against Hitler's evil regime. It was at the height of World War II in 1942, and Germany was winning. This gives me Star Wars vibes. Yep. I think it's because it's resistance fighter.
0: We need to like start with an intro.
1: Thousands of Jews had fled the country before the mass deportations to death camps began. It was in the middle of the chaos that Lily and Felicia met at a lunch arranged by Lily's maid, Ula.
0: But real quick, can we pause and talk Mm -hmm. about how much of a badass Ula is? Because um, if she had found out that she arranged a lunch, like intentionally, yeah, she would have been taken away too.
1: Everything that Ula did, Ula's family was harboring a Jew in their house. Ula worked in the Jewish underground. Oh, I know. But then the fact that she
0: even arranged this like lunch, Lunch. like that's like next level. Like, yeah, she's a bad bitch. Oh, and now I'm going to intentionally sit you across from the person. Like that. That's some badass bitch Oh,
1: Ula is definitely a badass bitch. Felicia had had gone on a dare to see if Lily could really smell a Jew as she had claimed to Ula. So that's how this whole thing uh, came about. You really need to listen to the last episode. But the young mother was far too smitten with the attractive woman sitting across from her. She couldn't shake her desire to see Felicia again and waited in anticipation for an opportunity to arise.
0: Now, do you know if there had been any previous signs of like... Her being bi or her being a lesbian in her life? Or was this kind of just like...
1: No. There, as right. for Lily, no. Felicia, yes. But for Lily, no. There was like nothing. I mean, she got married... We don't know when she got married because she's about 29 at this time. Um, and she's had four children.
0: So she had to at least gotten married at 25 or younger. Right, like, exactly. It's probably somewhere. around 23 or earlier, even 17. And she
1: said that she had been with several men before her husband. Oh, so, so she, says she that was scandalous. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess she was sleeping around. But she...
0: Was that... What time? No,
1: 1940s, right? Okay, so it was a little... So this was the 30s and 40s, so it's a little bit more progressive, and especially Europe is not as Mm -hmm. as strict. Um, She does say that she never, like... Like she never felt the same after that. So um, from what I'm pretty positive is Lily identifies as a lesbian. She doesn't identify as bisexual, mm-hmm. you know, but she was a young woman. She was with men and it was, she always. And that's all she had ever known probably. Exactly. Until she's she like, met it was fine. And it was okay. Like, exactly. Whoa. And then she meets Felicia and she's like, oh, what is, what's happening mm-hmm. to me? Flood <laughs> in my basement. Flood in my basement.
0: A few weeks later, Lily saw Felicia picking Ula
1: up from work. So remember Ula works for Lily.
0: Yep. She invited the young woman to dinner. In time, she invited Felicié and Ulla to bring more of the friends over for dinner parties. She's like, can you just bring her over? I just, I just need to see her again. She gave me this really good apple and I just want to give her an she, apple in I on just would know where
1: maybe she gets more apples, like, <laughs> you know, just gets her thoughts on them.
0: <laughs> Thus began a very unique situation as Lily, an ardent Hitler supportler, whose own husband now fought for the German armor, army, regularly hosted members of the Jewish underground in her home and didn't even know. No clue. <laughs> it was late 1942... When Felicié entered the picture and Lily's husband was too often able to return home from his position in Berlin. Typically, he was stationed 14 days on site and 14 days off on leave. That must be so inconvenient because you're spending at least a day traveling each way. Exactly. So you're like... No,
1: well, he's... Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, but it's not like the Germans are very accommodating for their soldiers. I right, mean, that's
0: just like so... But, like, I think it would make more sense to either have, like, a month on, a month off. I'm getting too far into this yeah and when he was <laughs> home he also enjoyed the company of lily's new friends in fact it was one evening as he sat in the parlor with ula and a few other resistance fighters that Felicier wanted went into the kitchen to help lily she brought her an apple felicia had not been very coy in her open flirtations with lily she regularly brought the young mother flowers and complimented her at every turn
1: And perhaps Lily's acceptance of Felicia's flirting is what prompted the brazen woman to take Lily in her arms and attempt to kiss her. The timid wife quickly pushed Felicia away and told her, let's just be friends, to which Felicia conceded and apologized. But as her friends later recounted, Felicia was very shrewd. She knew when someone wanted her and she knew how to play the game. She was also reckless enough to continue pursuing such a dangerous target. But taking a step back, Felicia respectfully kept her distance while still making her intentions known. I just want to pause because I saw an interview with a couple of her friends and they talk about how... um, Felicia uh, just thrived on adrenaline, mm-hmm. and so they think that that's what initially drew her. Like really, exactly. Lily was smitten, and Felicia's like, ex- "This like it's forbidden, and you know you're a Nazi, and if you knew who I was, you'd hate me." But right, but like, it's like all these like like why would you? Because you asked, like why would you ever you know be attracted to someone who supports the death of your your own people? Mm-hmm. But it was just like this like that's how she lived. She lived constantly on edge,
0: and w- that's crazy because I hate adrenaline. Yeah, <laughs> I hate, like the way it makes me feel. I can't stand it. So thriving on it. Like that must be why she was such a bad bitch. Cause I, she, yeah. Like, she, she yeah, she had to. You had
1: to. Every single day, Felicia called Lily and the two women would talk endlessly on the phone. When Felicia was away on work, though she never told Lily that the work was for the underground, she would write to her muse. One postcard read as such. Dear and most gracious madam, I admit I am the most laziest of letter writers, but I mean to replace my daily phone calls with these postcards, though the whispered nothings of phone calls don't translate too well onto paper, but I'll make up for that later. So what's new? Air raid warnings, trouble with Ula, various love entanglements? I want to know all about it. So I may send you my address tomorrow. Will you answer? I hope so. And I hope so for much else besides. Till then, my friendliest regards, your Felice. And
0: attached to it was an apple. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, see, that was a sweet letter. I did tell David one time that if we were ever separated, like, for like for an extended period of time, I'd write him a letter every day. Mm-hmm. So is that what she did or is she just like?
1: Yeah, that's what she did instead of calling her because she couldn't call her mm-hmm. from her where she was at. She would just write her a postcard every single mm-hmm.
0: day. See, that's nice. Very cute. Yet Felicia never did send her address. She couldn't afford the risk, and at the same time, she couldn't bring herself to walk away from Lily. On March 18th, 1943, Lily went into the hospital for an operation. She was still in the hospital three days later when Felicia returned from one of her missions and went to see her. Upon entering the room, Felicia once again took Lily in her arms, and this time Lily says, "'I didn't resist.'" They they shared their first kiss and professed their love for one another. Felicia visited every day and stayed with Lily as much as possible until her release on April 2nd. So, a couple weeks. Uh, Yeah, about about two weeks. Mm -hmm. That evening, the two women had a secret wedding ceremony. (laughs) Don't make the... (laughs) Felicia's vows read, I will always love you. I will never leave you. I will do everything to make you happy. As far as circumstances permit, I will take care of you and the children. I will not prevent you looking after me. I won't look at pretty girls anymore except to prove that you are prettier. I will very rarely come home late. I will try to grind my teeth quietly at night. I will always love you. Oh.
1: And, and uh <laughs> and then Whitney saying I, so, I mean, it was two weeks after they professor love, but they had, had several months of a friendship. Well yeah they and knew then each other.
0: And then if one like for example, David and I have been watching Downton Abbey mm-hmm. and like these people get married after knowing each other a month because that's what you do. Exactly, like you meet, you get married, and then you have the relationship.
1: Yeah, and also, and then you you take in the time period and like mm-hmm. like there's not you don't know how much time you have. And I think it doesn't really say, but I'm sure Felicia pushed it like, Bishop really, I do not have a lot of time. Right. She still has not told Lily that she's a Jew. No, there's none of that. Um, but she's in love with her, and there's that, that conflict of like. I'm in love with you. But I mean, she must have seen something in Lily. And that's right. what I mean. Like when you get past the facade of an individual and you get to know them often, sometimes you will be disappointed. And sometimes you see you're a good person. You just really don't know. You're ignorant you on know? the issue. You're igno- yeah, exactly. They each pressed an imprint of their lips with lipstick on the back of their marriage contract. That's cute. Yeah. Lily and Felice then spent their first night together. Decades later, Lily would c- recall the evening. I was very shy at first. It was all new to me. Not for her, of course. The second night, I wanted to love too. At one stroke, I was a different person. I felt free.
0: Mm. So that's a very transitional period for her. (laughs) Yes,
1: exactly. It's a very eye-opening. I mean, I don't know. I remember, I mean, because like, you know, I was married before. Mm -hmm. And I had only been with guys. Like, I knew I had crushes on girls, but I hadn't ever been able to explore that. And I remember the first time a, a woman kissed me. And it was exactly, it was like, I, I hadn't even come out before, but I was mm-hmm. like, am I crazy? Why do I know that I'm attracted to women when I've never actually been with a woman? Right. And then she kissed me and I was like, Damn, I was right. (laughs) Well, see, for me,
0: it was pretty similar because I I dated girls in high school. I never did anything. I was Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm waiting till marriage. Um, (laughs) That's always a good one. It was. I was like, no, I'm waiting till marriage. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But then, like, I remember the first time I was a guy, I was like, oh. It was very, like,
1: everything changed. Like, there's literally a
0: flip that switches in your head and it never goes back.
1: Exactly. Everything comes into focus. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And you're like oh shit I was like even like with my transition like when I finally like came out and like started using my name and pronouns like it was like and the testosterone like everything went into focus I was like yeah like I was so unsure before I was like I must be crazy why am I doing this mm-hmm. and then I did it and I was like oh yeah like this is it this is right, what I was right. you know yeah go ahead
0: since Lily's husband had been permanently stationed on the Hungarian border, Felicié moved in as a caretaker. <laughs> she could pass this off as Lily was still recovering from surgery. Ula and some of the fr- others in the underground suspected a romance, though Felicié never admitted such. This draws on the burden of intersecting identities. As a Jew, Felicié was not safe to tell her lover about her race. As a lesbian, Felicié was not safe to tell her friends about her orientation. Intersectionality, a theory comprised by Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, is defined as such. The complex, cumulative way in which the effects of multiple forms of discrimination, such as racism, sexism, and classism, combine, overlap, or intersect, especially in the experiences of marginalized individuals or groups. As quoted, the theory specifically addresses those who are already in an oppressed state, they struggle with finding relief and resources because discrimination within their own worlds can cancel out their access to help or makes it twice as hard for them to find aid on the outside.
1: Yeah, when we've talked about intersecting identities and and so and it's important to understand that it really talks about um, positions that already put you at a disadvantage or in oppression. So it's not like, well, I love yoga and um, I'm a Christian and I... Um, And I'm a writer, right? Right. Like those are intersecting identities. That's not what we're talking about. Like, yes, technically, like you have these different identities that are part of you. But we're specifically talking about when your identities, each one of you, like, or parts of your identities cause you more oppression, right? Right. So like Felicia, she's already a Jew in hiding and she can't tell this woman that she loves about that. And she can't even tell her friends, wow, I'm falling in love with this woman. Like none of that. Right.
0: You know. There's a double-sided coin there that like you can't can't break right it's the, like what we it's talk part about of your identity. black
1: trans women right? right like they already you know there's already they feel you know they can't get help because there are already the racism against them and then you have the prejudice and and transphobia against them right right you know
0: and then they often in each community you get the you opposite, get pushback, right? Because right.
1: you fa- you face you face racism from the the queer community, mm-hmm. and then you face transphobia from the black community, and then on the the outside you, you face racism face, and transphobia. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, in addition to the fear of being out, Felicia was also robbed of the comfort of sharing one's full life and story and history with another person. She couldn't tell Lily about the pain she felt when she watched her grandmother board a train to the death camps. She t- couldn't talk about her sister Irene or even mention that she had a sister at all. Felicia never had the chance to tell her friends about her amazing love story or to cry about how it may end when the war was over. Still, as she walked to the narrow and dangerous tightrope of her life, Felicia did did manage to find happiness. As the war progressed and things in Germany deteriorated, the two women explored the depths of love they had never known. But with the mounting uncertainty and danger in everyday life, Lily became frustrated with Felicia's disappearances for work. She knew that her wife wasn't being honest, but she couldn't understand why. So one night, Lily confronted Felicia and and demanded to know the truth. Felicia dodged the question and tried to change the subject as always until Lily gave her an ultimatum, tell the truth or get out of the house. Damn, it was one of those arguments. She was like, all right, listen here, bitch. bitch. (laughs) You're just telling me that you're just getting up and leaving for three days and you're coming home and I'm supposed to be like, okay. And Felicia's like, no, I'm just... I'm just, just really busy with work. Work's with just work, keeping me very work, busy. What, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah.
0: So Felicia broke down and told Lily that she was a Jew. As she recalled in the story years later, Lily remembers how everything suddenly fell into place. Her beautiful Felicia finally made sense. The odd disappearances, constant alertness, the walls she had built up to keep others out, and Lily realized the pain of her own hatred. That every time she threw an anti-Semitic remark or hailed Hitler, she thrust a dagger into her own lover's heart. She saw how her prejudiced thinking had allowed her to other Jews as less than and to believe that she was somehow inherently better than them. Lily realized that, uh, that all the time she turned a blind eye to the pain of those around her. She was turning a blind eye to her own Felicia's suffering. And sure, we can point out how others who never supported Hitler were more righteous. That is not the point to be that is not a point to be debated. However, how many of us have changed our own racist, prejudiced, and bigoted beliefs because love opened our eyes? It'll sound cute once I cut out all my pauses. That's right. When
1: you're (laughs) no. I'm kidding. No, but it's true. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like when you say someone like Ula, who always sided with the Jews, was she more righteous? Yeah. That's not the argument. The argument is like, do we try to change ignorance or not? There are some people who are evil and cruel and they don't want to change. But there are many people that just have never put themselves in that situation. They don't and,
0: know. It's like explaining white privilege to someone for the first time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And they, yeah, you're exactly right. Like you, like you know, I'm not privileged. You know what I've been through. But when you you fall in love with someone who's a person of color, or you fall in love with someone who's in a marginalized or disadvantaged position, a person who's a Muslim, mm-hmm. you know, and you look and you realize how much you get dis, you know, you get regard like how much privilege you receive, mm-hmm. you know, and and then if you add on the fact that you actually are a racist, right. you actually are prejudiced. I mean, and I like I said, I understand Lily because I was that percent. I was very racist. I was very prejudiced. I was very anti-queer.
0: It's just a good thing you didn't have Twitter back then.
1: It is a good thing. It is honestly a good thing because you would have found a thousand things that were atrocious. Like, there's all this stuff on Twitter about Caitlin Bennett, the gun girl. She's going around and she's interviewing these people and Mm -hmm. she always looks so foolish. And I don't want to defend her, but I like that was me like people don't understand if i had a website that was me i was going up to people on the streets i was accosting them i was not a good person and i thought i was i really believed that i was good but i wasn't right
0: that's the thing it's that i people don't understand how people can see that their way of thinking is right to them and i'm like everybody has their own beliefs and when you really believe what you're saying you think the other they think we're the bad people Mm -hmm. yeah and it's until you're until you educate people and teach them empathy and show them like we're just like you they don't get it
1: yeah it uh, it's absolutely true and i had one other thing and i can't remember what i was going to say about it um whatever maybe they'll come to me later (laughs) (laughs) so uh lily took felicia in her arms and said oh that's what i was going to (laughs) say I was, I the about,
0: you know what I was going to say? <laughs> but, I was like, we're going to be four, four paragraphs in and Evan's randomly <laughs> going to stop and going to say, <laughs> I knew what I was going to say.
1: No, I was going to say, because and you'll find out later. I think that's why I do things like the podcast. You're so like, yes, I want to educate people about career history queer history but there's also a part of me that's trying to atone it's not about forgiveness it's about atoning for the wrongs that you've mm-hmm. done and Lily as you'll see that's how she spends the rest of her life she tries to atone for and that's what makes that, I think that's what makes a difference mm-hmm. if you were an asshole at least spend the rest of your time atoning don't spend your le- rest of your life defensive like yeah okay I was an asshole but I- I've changed now well you're not doing anything to make it right mm-hmm. that's my thing so Lily f- took Felicia in her arms and said I will love you even more now and she did Felicia told Lily about the underground and how many of her friends were Jews. Surprise, all those people in your house, are <laughs> She's Jews. She's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and all of her friends were constantly like, they're like, yeah, we were really kind of pissed because she was a Nazi. And we're like, what the fuck? Yeah um initially the resistance fighters were angry with felicia they saw lily as a nazi and naturally worried that felicia had jeopardized everything but in time it became obvious that lily's only concern was keeping felicia safe she began to accompany on all of felicia's missions though the fighter rarely gave lily the details in order to protect her nevertheless it was exciting as the women went all around germany passing along secret messages and papers and getting jewish fugitives to safety once, Felicia even took Lily to the restaurant directly across from Hitler's headquarters in downtown Berlin. A Jew and her lesbian lover sat among dozens of SS officers eating dinner and, drown- and downing beers.
0: Damn! Right, that's adrenaline right that's, there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Felicia definitely the adrenaline junkie, and even her friends were like, like she got a little too, like carried away. Mm-hmm. Like she got a little too. Uh, bold in what she was doing she was already living on the edge and now she was just they were just openly like mm-hmm. fuck it we'll go wherever the fuck we want
0: when they were home things were much less exciting though still no. when they were home things were much less exciting though still dangerous daily bombings leveled the cities as the aryan people finally began to feel the full effects of the war lily had filed the di- for divorce from her husband and it came through in october of 1943 Shortly thereafter, he would go missing in action and was never heard from again. Lily and Felicia raised the two youngest boys at home. The oldest boys were away at boarding school for most of this time. Yet all the children loved Felicia and would call her Auntie Felicia. The youngest recalls how during a certain air raid he felt he fell while running for shelter. He felt Felicia scooped him into her arms and carried him to safety. The children may not have quite realized their mother's relationship with her housemate, but they knew Felicia loved them just as deeply as their own mother. Together the two brides talked of how they would raise the young youngest children together once the war was over. Damn. Damn.
1: When 1944 rolled around, the tide for Germany officially began to turn against the Nazis. Hitler's army suffered grave defeats, and one might think the SS would turn its full attention to winning the war and saving their country. Instead, the hunt for hidden Jews continued, and now it expanded all across Europe. Everywhere the Nazis laid their boots, they rounded up Jews and sent them to the death camps. They also sent many LGBTQ people along with Jehovah's Witnesses and the Roma also known as travelers, or the slur, and we'll use the slur just to clarify, gypsy, the slur that we used in the Pink Triangle episode, and for that we apologize. By now, several million people had been murdered in the thousands of camps and facilities around Europe. The Jewish resistance was also dwindling in Germany. Things were becoming simply too dangerous, and this was in part due to a traitor amongst their bits. This bitch. Oh, we're about to get into this bitch. Ooh. Oh, you're gonna man. like... Oh, this is... <laughs> go ahead.
0: Stella. Stella. Kubler. Kubler. Yeah, who fucking... Born is? Stella Goldschlag, was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryan-looking Jew. She was relatively pretty and incredibly fashionable.
1: She looked like... Um, have you ever seen the Harry Potter movies? Yes. She has the same smile as what's that that, that bitch, that teacher that's Miss Um the evil one that makes Terry write on his hand. I don't remember. Oh, she has that. I need smile. to watch him again. Yeah, she has a smile. I cannot remember her name. Whatever. She. She's exactly. She has the evil smile that you would exactly mm, expect her to have. A villainous, a villainous smile. A villainous smile. Yes.
0: After mass deportations of Jews began in Berlin in 1942, Stella went underground. Yet, in 1943, the Goldschlag family was arrested by the Gestapo and threatened with deportation. According to Stella, she was tortured and forced to betray her heritage. Yet, records show she was paid 300 Reichmarks for every Jew she brought to the G- Gestapo. To put that in perspective, the average factory worker earned 180 Reichmarks a month, and a, Wolf- and a Volkswagen cost 900 Reichmarks. So her story is that she went on her way to the camps, and then the Gestapo not only released her but also blackmailed her by giving her a salary to work for them. It certainly doesn't sound like your typical blackmail story.
1: Yeah, she's all like, "No, you don't understand. I was, I was tortured. I had to work for them." But she's making three hundred right. marks. so which, she's getting
0: like, paid. She has a yeah, salary.
1: She's getting paid a, a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- when is have you ever heard a story where they're like, "All right, I'll tell you what. We'll pay you to bring us people, and we weren't, we aren't going to send you to the camps." And you're like, "Oh God, the torture." It's it's unbearable. I just
0: had to make my money.
1: Exactly. And we know by her later life that this was, again, a fucking lie because it only gets worse. Mm -hmm. In reality, it is most likely that Stella gave the Gestapo an offer they couldn't resist. She was beautiful and she looked Aryan, which allowed them to go easier on her. And in return, she had deep connections with the Jewish underground. The Nazis called Stella blonde poison. and And that is what she was. In all the accounts of how many Jews she was able to catch, it ranges from 600 to 3,000. She was wealthy and popular among the SS guards, and she was ruthless in her pursuit of fellow Jews. We see this type of self-hating individual in every group of marginalized people. Like Chastin Buttigieg. Exactly. The kind of person who tries so hard to fit in with the very people who hate them. <laughs> like Chasten <laughs> Buttigieg. <laughs> Despite Stella's <laughs> devotion to the Nazi party, they still deported her parents and husband to the concentration camps when where they all died. So she's like, I had to do it to save my parents. But they deported your parents anyways and you were still so like... Okay, but I'm going to bring in some Jews. Right.
0: She just wanted the money and the notoriety.
1: Exactly. And Stella responded by simply remarrying another catcher, which is the term that they used for the Jews who lured other Jews to the Gestapo's claws. In all, Stella would continue to self-hate until the day she died. She renounced her Judaism after the war and became an open anti-Semite. She's finally taking her own life in 1994 after being ostracized by people on every side.
0: Good. Fuck you, bitch. Yeah. Like you should have been hung with the fucking soldiers.
1: Oh, so she went to 10 years of an internment camp. So she, first of all, the Russians found her guilty. And then she, she served 10 years of hard labor. And then she, she been came hung back to Germany. With the
0: other motherfuckers. And
1: she was sentenced to 10 more years, but... They didn't make her serve it. So, yeah, she should have been hung. Absolutely. Like, no doubt she should have been hung. She might
0: not have... Personally killed anybody, but she's the one who led 600 to 3,000 people to their death. Exactly. I'm, I'm sorry. That's like, basically a serial killer.
1: She betrayed her own people. She got wealthy off of it. And then she spent the rest of her life so bitter that people rejected her. And then so then she became an anti Semite. Like we see that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We see like queer people that are like, like the, you know, gays for Trump, if you're still a gay for Trump, and they're, you know, they, 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 they hate their own people so much, and they think they're going to get acceptance by hating us right. so much. You know, But so you see, just
0: look stupid.
1: You just look stupid. And you're, those people don't accept you, right? Like like the black people that are supporting Trump, the, they're, they're all still fucking, they're still racist. They're still white supremacists. They still hate you. And you think that they're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm okay with this one. You're no. one of us. They're still going to fucking kill you at the end, or they're still going to let you die. They don't give a fuck about you.
0: No. They don't.
1: And so she threw herself out a window in, in 1994 and oh, good. that's dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yet
0: in 1944, Stella was at the height of her game, and it was precisely because she began a- sniffing around Felicia's friends that many in the resistance fled Germany. They begged Felicia to come with them, and she made plans to escape. But at the final moment, she chose to stay. It could have been a desire to continue the fight, It could have been the pain of leaving Lily behind. It was most likely a combination of both reasons. And to be fair, the resistance did think that if any Jew was safe, it must be the woman living with the wife of a Nazi soldier. Since details of the divorce were not public and officials still believed Lily to be married. Whether it was prudent or foolish, Felicia stayed. The lovers knew the the war couldn't go on forever and they just needed to hold on a bit longer.
1: In late August, the two women went out for a day at the lake. It was beautiful and clear and wonderful to unwind and forget about the war for a while. They picnicked, took pictures, enjoyed one another intimately, and then they biked home. Upon entering the house, Felicia and Lily were met by Gestapo officers who promptly arrested the resistance fighter. We don't know for sure if it was Stella who turned her in, but we do know that Stella was like caught on Felicia's trail. It must have been her. So most likely she gave them some information. They grilled Lily on what she knew about the underground, but Lily never told them a thing. Most likely, the Gestapo found it hard to believe that she knew Felicia was a Jew, and they never suspected the two women were involved. And remember all the ways that they could get in trouble. I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, she's harboring a Jew. She's a woman who's in love with another woman. There's a law that literally says you cannot have relations, a German, with a Jew. Like, yeah,
0: there's like pages of things pages they were doing wrong. Everything could be quote wrong. wrong.
1: And the Gestapo just lets Lily go. Because she was, she was just a good old she's German four, girl. She's got four uh, Aryan boys. you know. She, no way that she she's knew anything about this. That's right. Um, but Lily was crushed as were the children who cried and cried for days. With a broken heart, she wrote in her diary, Dear God, protect the girl I love above all else. Oh, Felicia, my heart stops with pain. I no longer want to live. Lily visited Felicia while she was in the detainment for two weeks. She then followed her lover to the way camp, the notorious Therensind. It's, it's it's like written like Therenstadt, but I think it's called mm-hmm. Where There, Lily begged to be able to see Felicia, but she was denied. On September 4th, 1944, Felicia Stroggenheim was sent to Oswish. Lily would never see her wife again.
0: For the next two years, Lily was, worked tirelessly to find Felicia. Along the way, she provided aid to other Jewish women in the underground. She gave assistance whenever she could, and she housed three women...
1: In her attic. All who survived the war, by the way, because of Lily. Mm-hmm.
0: Even with increased scrutiny from the Gestapo, Lily drew from Felicia's courage. In 1946, she read a news account of the bodies of 700 dead women found near Mecklenburg. This was a result of the death marches ordered near the end of the war. Once it became apparent that the Allied forces were going to eventually push the Nazis back, Hitler commanded that all the Jews in the camps be murdered. Gassing was increased to 6... 1,000 people a day before abruptly being stopped by Joseph Goebbels. Goebbels,
1: Goebbels, yeah.
0: I love how you just assumed I was going to pronounce it wrong. Sorry. (laughs) Then, thousands of prisoners were sent on death marches from one camp to another. Along the way, many would die of exhaustion or would be shot because they couldn't keep up with the group. Historians believe Felicia died in the New Year's Eve death march on December 31st, 1944. Which, before we continue, Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't seen the Schindler's List yet, I recommended it before. Schindler's List, I recommended it before. I'll recommend it again. It is a horrible movie to watch, but Mm -hmm. it really brings to light everything we're saying here.
1: Yeah, it puts it in perspective how... Uh, Jewish people were treated as objects like that's all they were. They were
0: literally like herding cows to yeah. the pasture.
1: Yeah, it was nothing. there was all filling had been turned off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is astounding and it what's more astounding is how we can look at an obvious thing in history that wasn't even a hundred years ago like was 80 years yep. ago and and not see the correlations today. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's astounding, to and me. it's
0: terrifying because not only is it happening in the United States, you see nationalism on the rise in India, mm-hmm. Poland, and several other countries around the world where people are Europe. Being look at other. what just happened
1: in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. like it, yeah, which by the way, good for uh, Harry and Meghan fucking leaving the royal family. Good for them. Uh, well, not leaving the royal family, but like Going claiming part-time. financial de- dependency. But yeah, I mean, we see it every in every country, nationalism is on the rise. In our mm-hmm. own fucking country, it, the, we are. I mean, we are just in the throes of fucking white supremacy right now. Um, when Lily saw the article about the 700 dead women, she finally accepted that Felicia may never return. Though she stated until her death that she never quite gave up hope. For the next 62 years, Lily Wust would grieve the death of Felicia Strogenheim. She settled down raising her boys and working to support her family. In 1981, she was awarded the Federal Service Cross by Germany for her aid to Jewish fugitives during the war, a much different medal than her first one from Hitler. She was also declared Righteous Among Nations by the Yad Vashem in August of 1985, almost 41 years exactly since her felicia was taken away from her. The following decade, Lily sold her love story to Australian journalist Erica Fisher, who wrote the best-selling love novel, A and Jaguar, A Love Story, Berlin, 1943, Fisher used Lily and the Felicia's pet names for um, the title. I don't know. I couldn't get much information on where it came from. I didn't, was, couldn't read the book, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know. But and me and Jaguar. The book was later adapted into a popular award-winning German film and even earned an Oscar nomination in 1999.
0: Nearly 60 years later, when giving an interview for a documentary about their love story, Lily said, I'm grateful today that it was the way it was. Because we two really lived, and Felicia, who loved so much, could live a bit longer. How wonderful. And as part of my family, because that's how you want to bring up children. And I had children. We wanted to bring them up together and spend our whole lives together. But those 18 months were a gift I've never forgotten. In my unhappiness, I was happy and thankful to this day.
1: And it would seem that Felicia felt the same way as she wrote to her sister Irene shortly before her arrest, in her, I have found someone who belongs completely to me and will stand by me always. You
0: read the last paragraph?
1: On March thirty first, two thousand six, Lily was died at age na- at, died at ninety two from complications of old age. On her tombstone was added a memoriam for Felicia, who never had a grave. Until her final breath, Lily would work to keep her wife's memory alive. It is because of this that we know about the incredible bravery of Felice Schroggenheim. If you would like to know more about their story, then your recommended resources are the documentary, A Love Story Berlin 1942, which is available on YouTube and in our links below, or the book Amy and Jaguar, A Love Story Berlin 1943 by Erica Fischer. I don't know, I guess because the documentary talks about when they first met and the, the book talks about when they fell in love. We do want to point out that the book reads more as a novel and thus takes some liberties, but the basic facts are correct. And, of course, all of our uh, other references are at the bottom of our script.
0: There's a lot this time. There's a lot. Uh, yeah, that was a very deep, very emotional and beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Um, very eye-opening. Did you come around a little bit? I'm I came being, around a little okay. bit because, okay. let me tell you, when Evan pitched this idea, I okay. was like, why the fuck would this woman want to date somebody who literally wants to kill Everything she believes in. Yeah. And then uh, you got to come around to the realization that people can change and yeah, realize they're wrong.
1: Yeah, and Lily was did. And she spent like the rest of her life keeping Felice's memory alive, helping Jews recover after the war. Like she, I mean, like people only had, like the other Jewish fighters only had good things to say about Lily later on. You know, they're like, she mm-hmm. really came through for us in the end. Um, and so she atoned. That's you know, why like, it's
0: always... Better to educate than to immediately get angry and attack someone.
1: Exactly. So uh, we hope you enjoy this. Um, It is, again, of course, this was couched right between the Holocaust Remembrance Day and it was about two weeks before Valentine's Day. So, you know. Perfect timing. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we're going to be entering Black History Month next, mm-hmm. so we'll have a lot of good stuff on there for you guys. And
0: uh, we're approaching our 100th episode. Yeah, I so, know. So wow. uh, if you have any bombshell ideas, yeah, let us know. Absolutely. Um, we don't know what we're doing yet. We have We, some, we have an idea board, but I think for our 100th, 100th episode... Yeah, it's going to be
1: something special. Yeah.
0: So um, stay queer.
1: Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our allied hookers. You're a little succulent And resist the
0: oppressors, our proud homocrats.
1: Have yourself a sodomy circus and stay wet. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story.
0: Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash Your Queer Story.
1: And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash Your Queer Story.
0: See you next week. Bye. Bye.